0: Welcome to MakeCast. I'm Dale Doherty.
1: When we started, it was like, what is a makerspace for us? What is it? What's a makerspace for Moreno Valley College? What's a makerspace for the IE, the Inland Empire, for our constituents, for our community, for our students? That's how we like started with that question. What does it really mean for us? That meant we had to do a lot of research. We started reading up on different makerspaces, visiting this different makerspaces in the region, even one in Costa Mesa that I wanna give a shout out to called the Urban <laughs> Workshop. That is a phenomenal facility that gave us a lot of that ideas around, oh, you can put a different section here, a different section here, a different section here, and it can play well together, as opposed to just being like one mass of a space or conceiving of it in that way. It changes the way your mind thinks about the learner in the space. You realize you can create different pockets for different learners more easily than you thought of it as one large space. Another differentiator that we saw was four-year universities and and endowments and mentioned that money. Well, that money comes a lot of expectations. <laughs> and then they have a lot of, of certain types of folks that run that space. And so typically when you find a lot of money, you have to operate in a certain way. So a lot of people are buttoned up. They act a certain way. They answer questions in a certain way that for some can feel aggressive. For others, it can feel dismissive. So noticing how, when we're visiting other universities and other makerspaces, how I feel, how the students interact with the space, how they talk about the space afterwards. Even when we initially met you Dale, one of the first things that we noticed, Joseph, one of the student employees that met you early on, he was afraid to come up and meet you, like he did not want to traverse the gap. One of the first things we did together. Was walk that gap together because I realized I was also afraid to meet you and that this was one of those opportunities to change it. Those lessons around like learning about like the different types of maker spaces out there, the different environments that are created, and then bringing us into those spaces and then feeling and then talking and then conversing about it and listening to each other, I think is the key here. We have these pieces in place that that mean so much to the environment, but you have to allow them to be. You have to be able to see it, recognize it, and then allow freedom of self-expression in order for the, the true power of each individual to emerge and then come together to form this unit. And so now we're forming this unit that's supposed to serve the community. We bring in the community, ask the community what they want. We generate a list of items that we have hanging on the wall right now that was created by the community. As you're hearing, it was a community process. It was everyone together getting the ego out of the way and really sitting there and dealing with what we have in this community. What are our strengths and playing off of our strengths. And so recognizing that it's not just about a robot. It's not just about a machine. And it's not just about software. It's about the people too. It's about the creative nature of those people. And then in a lot of colors.
0: We're a colorful grouping here. <laughs> Let me welcome Danelle Lane and Jason Kennedy from Moreno Valley College in Southern California. Um, Good to see both of you. I had the pleasure of of visiting your campus in the spring and anything new about the school year at Moreno Valley? I wanna say we're making
1: a concerted effort to bring everyone back to campus. That's the new thing this year. It's like everyone coming back. uh, We're really trying to make an effort on seeing people in person, having a lot of events on campus. Jason, tell me, where is Moreno Valley College and who does it
2: serve? We are one of the community colleges that are part of the Riverside Community College District. There's three of them that are part of us. Moreno Valley College, Riverside City College, and Norco College. We are a Hispanic-serving institution. Approximately 70% of our students identify as Latinx. We are located in the Inland Empire region of Southern California, about halfway between Riverside and San Bernardino Palm Springs, if you do a little triangle there. Our college is awesome. It is amazing. And our makerspaces are just world renowned. We are continuing to get back on track. Like Donnell mentioned, we're getting a lot more students, a lot more in person. Our workshops are in person again. So it's good to see our community Our students, our K through 12 partners active in our makerspaces. Tell me about the makerspaces
0: that you have.
2: Donnell and I started our operations in 2017, 2018 with our mobile makerspace. And so we have a 38 foot uh, recreational vehicle, our makerspace bus, sometimes we refer to it as. While we were building our 4,200 square foot on campus makerspace, we were developing and redeveloping our STEM bus. We redesigned it and that was very successful in 2019, 2020. And right when we were about to open up the on-campus Makerspace COVID and the pandemic hit. So that was a tough one for us. So we shifted virtually and now are running in all three operations for Makerspaces. Tell me about
1: the main space. This space we've designed to basically try to handle the different learning modalities that an individual can have. As many as we could fit in this space and currently it's about five different areas. One area is in reference to advanced manufacturing. Uh, we have a uh, textiles area where we have a fifteen needle embroidery machine, a directed garment printer, basically sticking T-shirts, sweaters, hats on a machine. It goes inside, similar to a uh, inkjet printer, and it prints right onto the material. We continue on down into our three D printing area. We have sixteen. 3D printers for our students to utilize. We have an industrial-grade $80,000 3D printer for folks to actually finalize their prototyping. they would like to come use the Makerspace for prototyping, we have the equipment in-house. We created a bio area for folks interested in biology where we teach aquaponics, hydroponics. We actually measure brain waves. We have brain wave reading devices there. We have microscopes, centrifuges micro-injectors that will allow you to take the DNA from one organism and inject it into the zygote of another, potentially making genetically modified organisms. And then in the center of all of that, a 54-seat classroom where we we dabble in virtual reality. We have a gaming lab flanking the sides of the classroom. The front, you have two 75-inch monitors that can either uh, show one image that's correlated across all six, Or you can have six independent uh, images
0: going along as well. When a new student to Marina Valley College walks into your building, into your makerspace, what do they see? What's the first thing they see? Nowadays, it's kids congregating. So we're really lucky. We
1: did an experiment with the culture, right? The culture in the environment to see if we could make it more sticky, if you would, meaning that when students walk in, will they stay in? So when you walk into the space, you see a bunch of color imagery that represent different cultures. You see access to different technologies. We have a radio shack wall. So let's say if you all of a sudden had some great idea and you wanted a Raspberry Pi, you can walk right up to the wall, pull out your own Raspberry Pi and start programming. If you need help with that programming, that's when you walk over to our front desk and sign up for additional training. Um, we now have these reclining seats that are like beanbags that a lot of the students have taken a, a liking to. When the students walk in, they see a, a multitude of students sitting down in these beanbags, working together, talking, Planning things, utilizing the equipment, and sitting and waiting for some of the things to finish printing out. Jason, you have anything to add? Yeah, definitely. This
2: is all built on the backbone of the culture of the makerspace. We, we do a lot of sharing about our great makerspace that we've built in the last five years, our multiple makerspaces with other colleges, other organizations across the country. We really help develop the culture through our staff, but really it's our student employees. We are up to 20 Makerspace CTE student employees right now that can work part-time. They're all attending Moreno Valley College, and they are the heart and soul, along with Donnell and I, and our three lab techs and learning center assistants keep this place running and going. That's a really important point. When the students need help, it's other students helping them. Students are teaching the faculty. Just last (laughs) week, we have two community practices. We just added our second one. For virtual reality, we're working with one of our software partners beyond reality, and we developed the faculty community practice. Our student employees are part of this, and we have about nine makerspace faculty champions that are piloting this. And so during the month of September, we're working with them, but they're learning not only from the consultant, but they're learning from the student employees to help develop curriculum that they integrate. And, and it's a variety of different disciplines, Dale. We had English faculty there, math faculty, business accounting faculty in our making community practice. We've had journalism, of course, computer science, early childhood education, just a variety of different disciplines in general ed and, of course, CTE
1: and STEM-focused programs. Was it a process? We basically went on a dog and pony show and started to ask Who knew what a makerspace was? And and most of the time, the response was, I don't know what that is. Can you please explain that in more detail? We got a chance to see that. First, we had to educate folks on what an actual makerspace was, then potentially what it could do for them without adding on to some additional hours to their workday, right? What's the benefit here? So, We we focused a lot on creating a safe space for the student, but not many folks talked to us about creating a safe space for the faculty and staff as well. We had to embark on doing that as well. Just like students have issues trying something new or can sometimes be afraid or feel more comfortable doing what they know, we saw the same thing in the the older adults and and with our, our faculty and staff, we had to create workshops in order for them to get their hands quote-unquote dirty, right? Get their hands onto the micro processes. get their hands into the lessons that would lead to creating magazines. Small. Jason, did you want to talk about that magazine uh, project that we did in a community of practice? We did a bunch of
2: zines. We did a making day with our faculty. One in particular that jumps out at me, one of our math professors, Gabriel Florido, did a macrame zine. She taught lessons to our students and people that were there that day engaging in these making activities, but she made a custom zine. That was actually in partnership with MakerEd. That's been very helpful over the last few years to continue to develop culturally responsive teaching, equity-focused making within our community, because not only do we serve the 10,000 plus students at Reno Valley College, but our two feeder school districts in Valverde and Reno Valley Unified School District and our local community, we are partners for a lot of different organizations, the Cub Scouts and Girl Scouts, and just a variety of different organizations we've continued to partner with.
0: Has there been a greater awareness at the president level of the contribution that a Makerspace makes to campus, the results it produces for students and, and faculty? Uh, Thank you for asking that. I think that our president has been a great champion
1: for our makerspace, President uh, Robin Steinbeck. She stops down here. She checks on us. She asks how things are going. Uh, She gives us space to talk about some of the great things that we're doing. Uh, We're in our president's management council. She most recently went to an entrepreneurship conference and pitched an idea that ended up winning the pitch competition. We're leveraging the makerspace to further that idea uh, as an incubator type of space to further ideas, which is what it's really built for. Yes, our uh, president has been a champion since day one for the makerspace
0: here. You talk about having lounge chairs or beanbags, you know, um, and, and getting students to hang out in a space. You want kids to enjoy each other, have fun to try things that they may not try in a class and especially having all this technology around them uh, to try things that may be outside their comfort zone.
2: We've literally had people walk in that maybe didn't know, especially in the early years and go, wow, I had no idea this place existed. This place is amazing. I'm coming back. I'm bringing my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my grandma. And literally, we we just ran cricket workshops last semester, and we had whole families coming along and participating in cricket or tinker coding. We've had students come with their their fifth grade teacher, and, and they're doing things. And we still do hybrid, so people can do virtually. In the pandemic, we realized we were getting audiences not only from Reno Valley in Southern California, We were getting participants um, nationwide and internationally. And so we were surprised and like, we want to keep this going. Let's offer our workshops where possible in a hybrid mode, in person, of course, to serve our local community and our students, but also remotely as well.
0: Yeah. I'd like to shift a little bit to find out a little bit more about each of you. Uh, I think you have interesting stories to tell about how you ended up where you are. are. Um, uh, i like to say I'm from the streets of Harlem, New York. Uh,
1: (laughs) Actually born in Harlem Hospital, the last sibling that was actually born there, I say I'm a truly a Harlem Knight. Started out uh, on the East Coast, New York City, uh, did my bachelor's in New York City, and did the master's in the Midwest, going to Northwestern, and that's where the engineering part came in. And so the technology, though, when I first jumped into technology, I think my major gig and when I realized, when I caught the bug for Education in technology was at Kaplan Test Prep and Admissions. And at Kaplan Test Prep and Admissions is where I recognized that you were working there. Working. Senior Technical Project uh, Manager was in charge of converting them from DVDs into the streaming Flash Player model. It was Flash at that time. That's where I saw that there was a difference between the folks who could afford help, who could afford to pay for tutors who could afford to pay for the additional technology that they needed to pass or achieve the goals that they set for themselves. And of course, I'm now part of that that package that they paid for. And so I started to realize that I wanted to get myself back to the student that couldn't necessarily pay for the talent, pay for the additional technology. So that led me to Chicago working for the Noble Network of Charter Schools, where I was the director of IT. Uh, they became the, uh, the number one charter school network in the country. Uh, we had about 18 schools. One out of every 10 public school students walking through the streets of Chicago went to a Noble Network of Charter Schools. Right? So that's how deep we got. Burned out in Chicago. And then crawled, dragged myself all the way to California for the dream of finding a beach that would accept me. And so <laughs> I ended up five minutes away from the school here,
0: living with my brother at the time. You had told me previously you were doing social work right Yes.
1: Now. So right after college,
0: thinking that I
1: wanted to go and save the world, my professors kept telling me, before you go make your millions, but you got to go back and give back. And so I was like, okay, and became a Section 8 caseworker, which... Is one of the emotionally difficult spaces to be in for for you to be in a space where you're you're essentially assisting families garner subsidy for their housing. You have to then recertify them on an annual basis to to figure out how much they actually make, who's living in the household, and what additional resources they might be able to pull from in case they're no longer eligible for the Section Eight program. As you can as you can imagine, that gets sensitive. On a year to year basis. You really have to have a lot inside in order to like to work your way through that of dealing with families and the trials and tribulations that they deal with. From those discussions and after three years and burning out there, I decided that I wanted to make a larger impact. And it seemed technology gave me a way to not be so emotionally upholding, but also allow me to still impact as many folks as I could. Technology is a little cleaner. You have problems that you can solve like today, right? That doesn't have these these variables that are almost impossible to like make a difference on in a short period of time. Jason,
0: can you give us an, an idea of your path?
1: I have a uh, master's and bachelor's
2: degree in geography, particularly geographic information systems or GIS and computer mapping. I also took uh, several courses in my graduate school in urban planning and economic development. And also completed quite a few towards a doctorate that I'm still in progress on in education, focusing on teaching and learning at the community college level. Uh, I've been at a few different community colleges, hired out of my master's program to build a GIS and visualization curriculum to not only teach the courses in person and online. This was in uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin. I worked at a state community college, but it was also a tribal college. So it was a unique minority-serving institution. I had a chance to come back to California. I'm a native California, living in uh, Southern and Northern California. I've been back here uh, almost 20 years now, and so it's it's good to be back. I do have some great news also I wanted to share with you, Dale. Yeah. And I've actually been promoted since I last chatted with you. So wow. I'm going to be doing workforce and economic development on a regional level for our college district now, covering our three colleges and I know I will still be tied into and working with Donnell and all these great maker spaces and uh, a little bit more emphasis on workforce and economic development now. So I'm excited for that change. That's going to be coming up uh, shortly this month.
0: Uh, congratulations. As, as Donnell was describing, some of the students walking into this space, sometimes they don't have a, a really great idea about what the future is and, and what it holds for them. Um, and some workforce programs reference the past more than they than, than the future. and when we were talking um, uh, about the future and how you wish you could get more kids, you know, engaged in what the future holds and how they can be a part of it, because that's pretty exciting stuff. well oh, absolutely. And, and it's actually something that I'm seeing currently in the
1: course that I'm teaching in introduction to informational systems, right? The course is about like introduction to technology, really, and like really trying to see if you're interested in going down this career path, if you're just trying to learn more for your career, if you just need to learn more about work, this is the class for you. I started asking particular questions like, what is your love for Technology Lion? It started to go into innovation and how fast technology is moving and what's happening with it. So uh, that means we can now talk about innovation. So let's talk about uh, the James Webb Space Telescope. Does anybody know about that? No. Okay, so let's talk, about, let's talk about the Starlink system and 44,000 satellites going around the globe to give us internet around the planet so that we'll never have to worry about an internet connection again. Anybody know about that? No. Okay. We, we know we're going to the moon, right? We, we're, we're doing space travel. Is anyone preparing for taking a trip to Mars? Does anyone know that we built in Starbase in Texas? No. Does anyone no. know that we're building the Starship? This is a class of the average US citizen. We're presented now with this question, if we're talking about workforce development, what are they working towards then if they don't know that these opportunities are there for them as well? If these career pathways are there, but they don't know where they're going, how do we prepare them properly for dreams that are not able to surface without the proper exposure of the innovation that's actually happening currently in our civilization at this moment. We all went through the pandemic. We came up with a vaccine within a year. We got a vaccine within a year using this new method of genetic modification that now, honestly, we should now start talking about life extension. We should now start talking about, as we do in class, what are you going to do now that your life might last for double the amount of time that you plan for? If on average, you guys are going to live to 140, what's your plan now? And everyone's looking at me because that's the first time they've been presented with that question. I have an 85-year-old student in my class, and I asked her. <laughs> what are you going to do now with those extra years? I invited her down to the makerspace so that we could start prototyping, and she came. These are the possibilities now, right? The amazing like creation of the makerspace, this space that if it's done, anything can come from it. it. It's absolutely one of the most critical, I think, spaces for today. Timing is everything. Now yesteryear, it was a garage. Before that, you might have needed, I don't know, some kind of special place in a corporation to have access to certain type of machinery, right? Today, it's the makerspace, and, and anything that I can do to promote this, anything that I can do to build more is in, in as many places in America as possible I'm going to try to
0: do in the world. That's such a great message at the community college level that there's this future out there that you could be part of, right? You get to create that future and it's not set, right? We don't know what's gonna happen out there. It's not just a few kids that went to a few schools that get to do it, right? It can be you. And I think that's the beauty of the community college. When you talk about innovation, we would be so much a better country if we were tapping into these resources, these human resources that are in every community college and developing them into people that can create that future. It's something I hope that through a makerspace, that it's something you do. It's not something you talk about. <laughs> right. That's right. It's great to talk to you both. Um, is there anything I didn't cover that you want to bring up, Jason? You, one of the things you referred to earlier, um, you guys have been really successful at getting grants to build out your space. We're, we're
2: very fortunate to, to be able to leverage our grants. Um, Donnell has done a great job in in working with our, our campus deans and our district uh, grants office, or even in our foundation. We, we just recently awarded a couple of smaller grants through our Riverside Community College District Foundation. We're going to be doing a variety of different workshops, working with micro bits. The future, of course, is ever present. It's always here. And so we need to think about and
1: start training these students for jobs of tomorrow today that are happening now. Hey. I would say... A lot of the learning is bi-directional. So we talked about we had to educate folks. But during that process, we're getting educated as well. And Jason even started his own mentorship program within the Makerspace. Jason, did you want a chance to mention that?
2: Yeah, it was a challenge from our campus president. We talked about Dr. Steinbeck earlier about six months ago. It was a challenge to the managers to connect with our students and our community. I started the 4M program, the mini Makerspace mentoring meeting program. So I went through the whole previous last semester and worked with our student employees. About the time we had about 15 of them. And so I met weekly, discussed career goals, objectives, feedback. How can Donnell and I improve? What would you do if you were the supervisor and director for the day? And they had great ideas and different suggestions, different things, and how we can continue to grow and evolve in the makerspace and continue to grow into the future.